Hey, what's up, everybody? Let me begin with a shout out to all of you who are watching across the country and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us on February the 11th, uh, this is Super Bowl Sunday here in America, and I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Check it out. We're rooting for the 49ers. The 49ers are taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Somebody make some noise. <laughs> hey, those of you who are watching from the San Jose campus, go ahead and make some noise for the 49ers. Yes. All right. This is going to be a super fun day. Uh, so I just want to take a little time and kick off this brand new series, Character Matters. That's the name of the series. And today's message is called Fortitude Matters. And here's the point. Uh, someone says that the only thing that you and I get to take into eternity is our character. So over the course of the next several weeks, we will look at various aspects of character and how we can partner and collaborate with God so that God can continue to help turn us into the individuals that he's calling us to be, the lights in the world, as he shapes and blesses our character. Now, here's an interesting tid point about today, Super Bowl Sunday. Both quarterbacks, Mr. Purdy, who is the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, Mr. Mahoney, who is the quarterback for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, both of them are Jesus followers. And both of them are gentlemen of incredible character. And so, in a sense, it's a win-win for the kingdom today. But have no fear. If you're in San Jose, go ahead and make some noise for the 49ers. Yeah, the San Jose campus. And I'm cheering for the 49ers because I'm in the Bay Area. Uh, and we're going to just see the 49ers march right on into victory, okay? But for the kingdom, it's a win-win. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get started. God, we ask that you bless this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Can you say fortitude? Yes. Fortitude matters. Let's look at an example of fortitude right here. as Paul writes about his life and his journey. Three times, he says, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have worked hard and long in doing many sleepless nights. You know what? I've been hungry and thirsty. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Can you say fortitude? If you're watching online, just type that in the chat, fortitude. Now, here's his secret to fortitude. Philippians, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Another way of translating that last part, through Christ, who empowers my life. So, fortitude. Let's talk about that today. But first, I want to spend a few moments talking about character, just kind of introducing this series. And Mr. John Maxwell, uh, who is a uh, former pastor but also a widely recognized author and speaker and leadership expert. Here's what he says about character. He says, character is a quality that embodies many important traits, such as integrity and courage, perseverance, confidence, and wisdom. And he goes on to point out that, for example, we're born with our finger, uh, fingerprints, and we can't change our fingerprints. We're born with them. But when it comes to character, we actually have the power to mold and adapt and shape our own characters. And I always say that shaping and changing and strengthening and developing our character is an enterprise that should be done in partnership with the God who made us as he continues to help our lives to align with his purpose. 
Another way to talk about character is simply this. Character is who I am on the inside. One of my favorite theologians is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German Lutheran pastor who uh, stood up and pushed back against the German government under Hitler who was trying to co-opt the church and turn it into another instrument uh, for the government. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer pushed back against that and pushed back against all of the horrible things they were doing to the Jews. He ended up being thrown uh, into a concentration camp, German concentration camp. He was there for two years. At the end of the day, he would be uh, killed at the order of Hitler. But while he was in that concentration camp, he did all kinds of ministry, and he had a transformative life there. But as we think about character, we think about this notion that character is who I am on the inside. The question is, who am I? He writes a famous poem that I just have loved over the years that's titled, Who Am I? Uh, Kind of chronicling his time and how he felt in that concentration camp. Notice what he says. He says, who am I? They often tell me I come out of my cell calmly, cheerfully, resolutely, like a lord from his palace. But who am I? They often tell me I used to speak to my wardens freely and friendly and clearly, as though it was mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me I carried the days of misfortune equitably and smilingly and proudly like one who is used to winning. Am I really then what others say of me? Or am I only what I know of myself? He's now contrasting what people see and what he knows of himself on the inside. Listen to how he describes it, restless and melancholic and ill like a caged bird, struggling for breath as if hands are clasping my throat, hungry for colors, for flowers, for the songs of birds, thirsty for friendly words and human kindness, shaking with anger at fate and at the smallest sickness, trembling for friends at an infinite distance, tired and empty of praying and empty of thinking and empty of doing, drained and ready to say goodbye to it all. Who am I? Am I this or the other? Am I one person today and another tomorrow? Am I both at once in front of others, a hypocrite, and to myself a contemptible, fretting, weakling? Or is something still in me like a battered army running in disorder from a victory already achieved? Who am I? Those lonely questions mark me. Whoever I am, you know me, and I am yours. Oh, God, I'm yours. So many of us find ourselves hunted by the same question, don't we? And we're able to put together an image of who we are externally, but it doesn't always match who we are internally. Who we are internally speaks to our character. If someone is sitting next to you, just turn to them and softly ask, who are you really? Yeah, who are you really? I'll flip the question this way. Who am I? Really? Who are we? Not the we that people see, but the real me. This is a reminder that we should 
uh, make sure that we are not judging ourselves or comparing ourselves to somebody else's Facebook posts or pictures or Instagram or TikTok presentations because our social image, our social media images are just that. We can shape our images to project whatever reality we want, but so often we are so radically different than what our image suggests. So Paul says, I can do all things through the one who empowers me. Here's another aspect of character that I think is important for us to take note of. Character is revealed and developed through life's, watch this, successes, failures, joys, and trials. Our successes and our trials reveal what's on the inside of us. I heard somebody once say about the presidency, they said that the presidency does not make a person, it reveals who the person is. The pressures of the presidency, you see, the pressures of trial and the pressures of success reveals who we are. But it also can be used to develop us. Now, here's the point. Uh, uh, Trials and success, they don't develop our character automatically. The point that Paul would teach today is that when we collaborate with God, when we have a relationship, a living, vibrant relationship with God, and we're doing life with Jesus, then Jesus is at work in our lives, listen to me now, taking successes and failures and joys and trials and helping to fashion the character that we have on the inside. Here's what Paul writes. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of, there it is, character. Character strengthens our confidence of hope. Now he's talking about people who are in relationship with Jesus. This is not an automatic. It means that I've got to be conscious of doing life with Jesus. And Jesus begins to develop, use life to develop my character. Here's another way I like to say it. God is present at every moment, every trial, every exciting accomplishment, and every failure. As we watch the football game unfold later today in the Super Bowl, here's what we can know. The Super Bowl will be played in the very presence of God. Every tackle, every play run, every touchdown, every injury, every interception, every fumble, it's all done in the presence of God. And God is at work, particularly for those who are conscious and who allows God to be at work using all of that to help shape and make character. Now, another way we can talk about this is simply with the word fortitude. Can you say fortitude? It's a word that we don't often here today is one of the early Greek classical terms, fortitude. Here's how we can assess our fortitude. When you face a problem, do you freeze or do you jump into problem solving? When you experience trouble, do you wallow in the misfortune or are you able to rest and catch your breath and then get back up and reenter the game? Do you allow the attitudes of others to regularly rob you of your joy? Are you able to let certain things that people say and issues that you confront merely roll off your back? Do you see obstacles as a stop sign and you just stop when you come to an obstacle? Or do you see them as opportunities to learn and grow and expand your horizons? 
and your creativity. The latter and all those examples represent fortitude. Here's a classic definition for fortitude. It's a strength of mind that enables a person to encounter, listen, danger or bear pain or adversity with courage and resilience. That's what we're watching the Apostle Paul as he talks about the challenging areas in his life. Three times, he says, I was beating with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. But he didn't quit. He didn't give up. Somehow God kept strengthening him. I have worked hard and long and doing many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, but he didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. Somehow God kept strengthening him. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm, but he would not surrender his call or his commitment to be faithful to Jesus no matter what. Mr. Paul had fortitude fortitude. Here's what one psychological, psychology journal says about fortitude. It's an interesting insight. Fortitude is defined as the psychological strength to manage adversity and stay well. Wow. Manage adversity and stay well. Now, at the very heart of the word fortitude, it's just the root is forti. It's a Latin word. It actually means strength. Strength. It's kind of like when you break down a building, just tear it down, and you get down to its foundation, and you see that it was standing on concrete, and you can't penetrate the concrete. That's the forti, if you will. It is so strong that you can rebuild a new building up on that foundation. Forti. What Paul would suggest is that we all should have some forti in our life. That if at the end of the day that your that the strength in your life, if it comes from you, that's breakable. But if the ultimate source of the strength in your life comes from God, come on now, the concrete base upon which your life stands upon, that's unbreakable. And that is the reason why we come to church and we learn to pray and internalize scripture and, and worship and internalize this notion of faith to solidify and deepen our experience of the living God. We might have God strength. Can you say fortitude? Now hear me. I'm not teaching this message uh, in the kind of way as to suggest that uh, God is shaking his finger at you saying, how come you don't have fortitude? No. God uh, is not using this message to say, you should have fortitude by now. Uh, that's another reason why you ought to be close. You ought to have fortitude scolding you. No, no, that's not what this message is. That's not what God is doing to this message. What God is doing to this message is saying today is, is that you and I, we will need fortitude in the days to come. We will need character that actually has fortitude. Because the days to come in the future will be complicated and difficult. In this year alone, this election year alone, the world is going to be turned upside down yet again. That in our future, there are all kinds of great things, but there are all kinds of trials and tribulations. And that you and I, we, you know, we're going to need 
fortitude. I like what Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, as the King James Version says, in due season we will weep a harvest if we do not give up. The capacity not to give up rests in our fortitude. Somebody sitting next to you asks him, how's your fortitude? Wow. Well, today, Brock Purdy is the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And in many ways, he's an example of what we're teaching today. We know that he was drafted in 2022, and he, when he was drafted, he was not drafted in the first round, the second round, the third round. He was drafted in the very last round, the seventh round. And in the seventh round, he was not drafted number one or 15 or number 20. He was not drafted number 50. He was not drafted number 100. Do you know what? Literally, uh, the announcement, the announcer says something like this. Well, just before we get ready to go home, we have one more draftee, Brock Purdy. He was drafted 262. He was literally the last person drafted. Can you imagine what damage it did to his esteem? Can you imagine how that shattered his sense of, uh, almost a sense of hope and, and place and possibility? He's the very last person just before they close the door. As a matter of fact, someone would label him as Mr. Irrelevant. And he would be drafted to the 49ers, and he would, he would actually, he'd be number three. He would not be the backup to the quarterback. He would be the backup to the backup to the first-string quarterback. In his first game, he would move the ball down the field and end up throwing an interception. Not too long after that, he would have to contend with injury, one thing after another. But you see, Mr. Purdy is a Jesus follower. He is serious about his faith. And if he was here, I'm suggest, I suspect he would say to you that part of his heartbeat was this notion of what Paul says was at the very source of his forty, his forty, his strength. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can go through everything. I can put up with everything. I can push through everything. I can endure everything. Even being drafted number 262 and being the third string. On the 49 team. I, I can deal with it. And when we look at his life, let me just ask a few, really, the basic question as you and I move forward, what does it take to build inner fortitude? How does God want to work with us to help build up our inner fortitude? There's a couple of insights real quickly. Number one, the first thing we have to keep working on is to develop a faith mindset. A faith mindset is what the Apostle Paul had, that he was literally doing life with Jesus Christ. He, his, he, was, he had a living relationship. He had a daily prayer life. He was engaged in Scripture. He was connected to other believers, uh, that he had a faith mindset. As I said a few moments ago, that's part of why we stay connected to the church community, singing and worshiping together and praying together. That's why we show up in our young adult Bible study group, for example, because we're because we're training our mind, come on now, to have a faith mindset. A faith mindset is this. It, it, it thinks about life like this. With God, failures and setbacks simply become stepping stones. In other words, Mr. Purdy, I think, would say if he was here, he would say that his setback 
being drafted last and number three on the team of the 49ers was ultimately a setup to become who he is today as he leads the 49ers into the Super Bowl as the only player in the history of, of 58 Super Bowls to ever be drafted last and lead a team to the Super Bowl. Come on now. Oh, I think if he was here, he would say that he was propelled forward with fortitude by his faith mindset. He knew that God works all things together for the good. So he took his place as number three. He knew that the God had declared, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a future with a hope. Come on, that, that infused his mindset. So, so regardless to where he landed, he just kept on working. He, he knew that the word of the Lord declared for him that the steps of the faithful are ordered by the Lord and that God delights to be in every detail of his life. So what he landed last. So what? He's third string. Come on. He just kept working so to make sure that he was ready when the moment came because he knew that what God has for you, nobody can take from you. Uh, so his task was to get ready, be ready, stay ready for his moment to come. He had a faith mindset. You got to work on developing that in order to have fortitude the way God calls us in our character. Secondly, we have to learn to regulate our emotions. We can't allow our emotions to be blown by the winds of personal circumstances that we're high today and we're horribly low tomorrow. Both Paul and Mr. Purdy would say that at the end of the day, you've got to decide, come on now, at the end of the day, you've got to decide whether your life is going to, will be attached to your emotions are attached to your faith, which one will lead? Because we will have emotions, but we have to be in charge of our emotions, and God calls us so. What are some tools? Prayer, meditation, learning deep breathing, journaling. There's all ways to begin to center our emotions that we're not shifting back and forth with every wind. You know, one reporter asked Mr. Purdy, they said, Mr. Purdy, do you pray? We heard that your father prays vigorously when, you're, when he's watching you on TV, when you're playing or he's at the game and he's watching you play. Do you pray? Purdy said, yes, I pray. He said, but I'm not praying God let me win or make them lose or any of that kind of stuff. He says, I'm praying to have peace in the chaos. Mm. He says, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to take over and to lead me. I'm asking the Holy Spirit of God to make me even, to give me that even kill state of mind. You know, uh, Steve Young, another very famous 49er quarterback, when he found out that Purdy had been drafted last and that where he landed on the 49 team in the third position, Steve Young said that was a mistake. He said that Purdy was a star quarterback, that people had missed it. And the reason why, he says, he says, the difference between uh, a great quarterback and, and a regular quarterback is that a great quarterback has a kind of peace about him so that when he steps back in the pocket and the tacklers are coming at him all around him, that he has a peace and he's able to be clear-headed and clear-minded. Y'all, they listen to me in the pocket and see clearly the field. And make the right play. And he saw that peace 
in Purdy. Next, as we, as we develop this kind of apostle regulating our emotions, it's good to have an anchor scripture. Purdy says that his anchor scripture is Psalms 23. He says all year, every day, he spends time rereading Psalms 23 and centering himself in Psalms 23. He uses a New Living Translation that says that the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. And he goes on for forth. He says this is important to him for this reason. Number one, he says it's important because um, he is reminded that in Jesus, he is fully loved. And so he doesn't have to chase the love of the crowds, the love of stardom. He has all that he needs. How beautiful. At the end of the day, my friends, we're using prayer and meditation and scripture anchoring, all of that to, to help us to stay calm and clear-headed under pressure. That's part of the secret to fortitude. And then we have to build a team. Build a team. And on your team, you've got to have safe people and uh, people who you can be totally honest with. You've got to have positive people, people who will speak encouragement in your life. You've got to have thoughtful people, people who will help you to examine and see how you can do things better and differently, uh, how you can keep learning. You've got to have faith-filled people, people who can discern the call of God on your life and can speak a word into your life and, and can hold you up even when your faith is threatened. And at the end of the day, you may not find all of these qualities in, in one. That's why you have to have a team. Somebody shout team. You know, one person might be your safe person, right? Or a couple of people where you're really honest. Another person may be the person that you turn to so they can speak positively into your life. You may have somebody else who's going to be very thoughtful to help you to examine your mistakes and how you can make adjustments. And you've got some other folk who are faith-filled and telling you, listen, don't you forget that, what, that God has loved you with an everlasting love and he's got purpose for you your life. You've got to build a team. Purdy said that they went through a season where they were losing it. You know, they, I think they lost three or four games in a row. And he said he was most afraid of his teammates losing confidence. He said, but his teammates, almost one by one, all the major stars on the team came to him and said, hey, guy, we're going to be all right. We got your back. Just keep doing what you do, and we're going we're to do us. We have you. We're going to be all right. See, everybody needs a team, somebody to tell you, we got your back. And then practical self-compassion. Yes, you've got to learn to be compassionate with yourself when you're down. You know, in that, in that, in that losing streak, you know, uh, and when he went out for the first time and threw that interception, whatever, you know, he, he, he couldn't beat up on himself and speak. I think if he was here, he would tell you, you've you got to be kind to yourself. Be kind in failure. Discern the lesson without criticism. You know, the other day, I think he talked about reminiscing when he played the Kansas City earlier in the season and 49ers lost. He said, but there was a lot he learned from it. They, they asked him. He, he itemized one, two, three, four different lessons that he learned. But yeah, I didn't get the sense that he was shaking his fist at himself and talking about how horrible he was and what a knuckle he was. He couldn't do X, Y, and Z. No, 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 no. You've got to learn how to be kind and grace-filled to yourself. And at least... Finally, you've got to be able to encourage yourself with your own self. Sometimes you just got to be able to encourage yourself. 
You got to be like the psalmist in Psalms 42 who says, why, my soul, are you so downcast and depressed? Why so disturbed within me? You got to talk to yourself like the psalmist. Here's what he said. He said, soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Uh, you got to be like the psalmist in Psalms 24 when the king used to come into the city. The horn would blow and somebody would shout out, lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And when you're down and you're depressed, you've got to say to yourself, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Let him come in and fight your battle. Oh, that's a faith mindset. And you've got to be able to talk to yourself like that. And then lastly, you've got to be able to look forward. Somebody say look forward. Oh, yes. The Apostle Paul would ultimately pen these words. Uh, I will press, uh, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He was always looking forward. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. It's in this context he's able to say, for I can do everything. Shout everything, everything. I can do everything. But, but, but this is not like Superman everything. This is I can do everything inside of the parenthesis of God's will for my life. This flows out of an active relationship that Paul has with God, that, that, that Purdy has with Jesus. Come on now, where he's praying and discerning a sense of call, trying to discern what the next step. And, and, and this is a unique piece, right? It's wonderful. I can do everything that God wants me to do. I can do all things that God calls me to do, no matter how improbable, no matter how unlikely, no matter how long the odds are against me. And by the way, with the, with the Spirit of God operating in my life, I can face anything. I can be picked last. I can sit on the floor. Come on, I, fortitude is not just about moving forward in the height of success. Fortitude is about how I handle failure, how I handle sickness, how I handle divorce. And in this context, the writer Paul tells us that as God works in our lives, he gives us the fortitude that we can declare. I can face bankruptcy and divorce and the death of a loved one. I can face cancer and strokes and tragedy and even death itself through Christ who strengthens me. That's fortitude. I like to end here by saying fortitude, I like to call it the mature faith in midst of life's difficulties and tragedies. It's mature faith in the midst of life's difficulty and tragedy. Let me reread where we started. Paul says, you put these texts together. Three times I was beaten with rods, but Jesus gave me strength. Once I was stoned, but Jesus gave me strength. Three times I was shipwrecked, but Jesus was there to strengthen me. I've worked hard and long and doing sleepless nights, but every night Jesus was there to strengthen me. And ultimately, Paul comes to the point where he looks death straight in the face. And you know, I, as a pastor, I've walked with people who've come to the very edge of life, have to look death in the face, and we all will have to look death in the face. 
And it was at that moment, it was not just faith that we need. It's faith that produces fortitude. Here's what Paul writes. The day before he was to be beheaded, he writes these words. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. The ultimate Super Bowl has been won, he's saying. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. He's looking forward. He's looking ahead. He's looking ahead. Always looking ahead. A crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that grand day on the other side of my death. But not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearance. And that is so much better than a Super Bowl win. That's ultimate victory. Fortitude. God bless me and us with fortitude.